Hello, my name is Heikki Pekkarinen and when we started this recording on the video I forgot to put audio recorder on so therefore I'm recording this now at home in Finland but the main teaching that's coming after it took place on the 26th of May 2017 we started 6.50 p.m. in Sofiemur near Oslo in Norway. We were with Kamort and Brit Helvik and uh, I was there with my wife. My wife Elizabeth was reading some of the texts for me in English. And the subject was Ephesians 1.4 and 1 Peter 1.20 Before the foundation of the world the Greek words prokataboles kosmu or some other places apokataboles kosmu and I wrote in my notes, in my introduction, there are at least two things which hinder the faith of believers in the Western countries. One is the theory of evolution and the other one is the doctrine of predestination. I'm going to deal with this theory of evolution later and now we will concentrate on the latter one, the doctrine of predestination. The following is a quote from Wikipedia. Knowledge is wrong. And we can continue the notes. The following is a quote from Wikipedia. Predestination. In theology it is the doctrine that all events have been willed by God. Usually with a reference to the eventual fate of the individual soul. Explanations of predestination often seek to address the paradox of free will whereby God's omniscience, which means his all-knowingness, seems incompatible with human free will. In this usage, predestination can be regarded as a form of religious determinism and usually predeterminism. And then I have a quote from the New Bible Dictionary says that the Old Testament assimilates election to God's historical calling but the New Testament distinguishes the two things sharply by representing election of God's act of predestinating sinners to salvation in Christ before the foundation of the world and they have here Ephesians 1 4 Matthew 25 34, 2 Timothy 1, 9, and then in the end of the sentence, 1 Peter 1, 20. That's the reason I, I took Ephesians and Peter, 1 Peter out of there. We could uh, handle all of these places. These words, kataboles kosmu, are used all together 10 times in the Bible. So we can uh, look up all the places where they have been used anyway. So, they use these verses Ephesians 1.4 for example and 1 Peter 1.20 to prove this that God predestinated sinners to salvation in Christ before the foundation of the world and that's an act correlative to his foreknowing Christ before the foundation of the world and that's in 1 Peter is everybody still with me? Mm -hmm. the origin of this kind of thinking is in Greek philosophy and this is really interesting. 
I mean, if Christian believers believe this thing, you kind of would assume that it came out of the Bible. But it doesn't come out of the Bible. It's not Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah who said that this is the way God's predetermination works. It comes from the Greek philosophers. And the following are again quotes from Wikipedia. Free will in antiquity was not discussed in the same terms as used in the modern free will debates. But historians of the problem have speculated who exactly was first to take positions as determinist, libertarian and compatibilist in antiquity. There is wide agreement that these views were essentially fully formed over 2000 years ago. Candidates for the first thinkers to form these views, as well as the idea of a non-physical agent causal libertarianism, include Democritus, who lived 460 through 370 before Christ, then Aristotle, then Epicurus, Chrysippus, and Carneades, all lived before Christ. These people are referred to, that the thinking came from them, has nothing to do with God and his word. Absolutely nothing. Pre-Socratic thought, early religious accounts of man's fate explored the degree of human freedom permitted by superhuman gods. A strong fatalism is present in tales that foretell the future, based on the idea that the gods have foreknowledge of future events. Anxious not to annoy the gods, the mythmakers rarely challenge the idea that the gods for knowledge is compatible with human freedom. This thinking was developed and introduced to Christianity by the Church Father Augustine. The following are quotes from the New World Encyclopedia. Saint Augustinus his view of predestination is somewhat complex. All right. Then, next quote. The theology of Augustine influenced both Catholicism and Protestantism. Augustine developed his doctrine of predestination during and after the Pelagian controversy. You want to know about that, then read. Look it up in the Wikipedia. God determines the destiny of humans even choosing a certain number of people for salvation beforehand. That's what Augustine said. Augustine said, I speak thus of those who are predestined to the kingdom of God, whose number <coughs> is so certain that one can neither be added to them nor taken from them. That's what Augustine said. This does not mean that fallen humans have no free will at all. According to Augustine, they still have the ability to sin. It's a great freedom of will. You can sin as much as you like. Martin Luther started his Christian studies at an Augustinian monastery, and he studied the writings of Augustine. The following is a quote from Double or Nothing, Martin Luther's Doctrine of Predestination by Brian G. Matson, 1997. All things whatever arise from and depend on the divine appointment, whereby it was foreordained 
who should receive the word of life and who should disbelieve it, who should be delivered from their sins and who should be hardened in them, and who should be justified and who should be condemned. Martin Luther. Then Luther wrote a book, The Bondage of the Will, on this subject, addressing it to Erasmus of Rotterdam. And he, Luther, considered this his best work, along with the Catechism. The following is a quote from the conclusion of this book. I shall here draw this book to a conclusion, prepared, if it were necessary, to pursue this discussion still farther. Elizabeth pointed out earlier that now we're going to discuss it. Though I consider that I have now abundantly satisfied the godly man who wishes to believe the truth without making resistance. For if we believe it to be true, that God foreknows and foreordains all things, that he can be neither deceived nor hindered in his prescience, known before, and his predestination, determining before, and that nothing can take place but according to his will, which reason herself is compelled to confess. Then even according to the testimony of reason herself, there can be no free will in man, in angel, or in any creature. Hence, if we believe that Satan is the prince of this world, ever ensnaring and fighting against the kingdom of Christ with all his powers, and that he does not let go his captives without being forced by the divine power of the Spirit, it is manifest that there can be no such thing as free will. Do you understand that we have a problem in our believing if we do think like this? Right? Pretty great problem. And that is especially here in the West, because most of the Western people are somewhat under the influence of this doctrine of predestination. So, Luther himself went through terrible pains trying to accept this point of view. He finally accepted it, and then he said that he understood God's grace. I don't want to understand God's grace like that. I don't think it has anything to do with God's grace. Completely the opposite. So if we think that God knowingly already before the foundation of the world chose all and predestinated all things according to his own pleasure, we will end up with the same heart-breaking ponderings as Luther did. And these thoughts have been proven using Ephesians 1.4 and 1 Peter 1.20, for example. Therefore we now need to examine what they deal with. And we continue. Before the foundation of the world, these are the words pro catabolis cosmo. And Ephesians 1 4 it says, According as he hath chosen us in him, in Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And everybody thinks that this is self-evident, that this is what he's talking about. First Peter 2, 19 and 20. But with the precious blood of Christ, 
as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Both verses say pretty much the same thing, that Jesus Christ was in God's mind before the foundation of the world. The world is cosmos, and now again, explain these numbers N2577 and S2889 stand for two different numberings. The N number is from a work that was uh, published in Norway, in Sweden, in Denmark and in Finland at the same time. In Norway it is called Studiebibeln, in Finland it's called Novum. Therefore, I use that N standing for known. But the numbering is the same. That means that this word cosmos can be found in those books by that number. Then S stands for Strong, James Strong. He was a man who made a concordance and he produced this numbering that is known in the English speaking world. Therefore, these two numbers. I don't understand why the why the group of the people in Norway, Sweden, Denmark and Finland wanted to have their own numbering. However, that is there and is used in those books, so therefore I have put these numbers in there. So, if you want to study, you can find these words either in the studio people here in Norway, for example, or any other of the English research devices that you can find books or programs in the internet like Blue Letter Bible and the eSword and Bible Hub there are many that are using that Strong's numbering so the word Cosmos translated the world is used 187 times in the New Testament and it is always translated by the word world except in 1st Peter 3 3 where it is translated adorning the word cosmetic comes from this Greek word and originally it means order. In the New Testament it means the order of the world and very often mankind, especially in its state after the fall, being separated from God. And this is very important, keep this in mind. And now Elizabeth, can you read John, Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think everybody knows this verse. For God so loved the world, cosmos. Did he love the seas and the mountains and the fields and the animals and the trees and the star and the moon and sun? No. Cosmos stands for the people. He loved the people. Right? Cosmos stands for the people. Then the word foundation is katabole. And now we need to examine what it means. This is a noun and it is used in the New Testament altogether 11 times. Now, again I explain how we're going to work this. So, we have a problem with these words before the foundation of the world. So we need to research in order to find out what they mean. 
And in order to do that, we make word studies. We just go to the Bible and look up every place where these words have been used. I mean, cosmos I'm not going to work because that is used so many times. And if you just a little bit study, you will see it means many times the people, like we just read. That is not difficult. But to understand what that katabole really means, that is difficult. Therefore, we've got to look up all the places where this stem is used. See, from the same root word as katabole comes a verb, which is kataballo. And this verb has been used three times in the New Testament. And here are the places. The first one is 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, kataballo, but not destroyed. So, cast down like in a wrestling competition. Very clear to understand. He's uh, using the, some gymnastic terms. So, he is cast down the wrestling match, but not destroyed. That's what he's saying. The word is kataballo. Kata is down and ballo means to throw. The word ball comes from this, ballo, to throw. We throw balls, it comes from ballo. And kata means down. Throw down. The third place in the, is in Revelation 12, then. It says, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, Kataballo, which accused them before our God day and night. Again, same meaning, cast down. And then we have uh, the third place that is actually in order the second in Hebrews 6.1 there it says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ let us go on unto perfection not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and in this verse Hebrews 6.1, the word foundation is familios. Okay, let's read Hebrews 6.1 again. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying catavallo. Again, the foundation, familios, of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. What does that mean? The word foundation in this verse is themelios, which is used 16 times in the New Testament. There is a verb from the same root and it is themelio-o. It is a verb which means to lay or to build the foundation. According to there it means to lay the foundation, to found. This verb has been used in the New Testament six times. For example, Matthew 7.25 And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and breathed upon that house, and it fell not. 
for it was founded family of all upon a rock. Then 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10 to 12. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid Dithemi, the foundation, Themelius, and another buildeth thereon. But let everyone take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation, Themelius, can no man lay Dithemi than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, Themelius, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, and so far. Okay, the word foundation, Themelius, when we use the word Themelio or Thitemi as verb, like house, when a house is built, first we lay the foundation, right? Well, how do you lay the foundation? Guy, you have been building a house. And Carl Morton, you have been building a house. And you have seen the foundation laid. So, level. They use the level to make it horizontal. And today they use laser beams to make the walls of the foundation completely straight. And accuracy is by millimeters. And it has to sit sturdily in there, unmovable, in a certain position so that it can hold the weight of the whole house. And titemi means to place stones like that, to cut the stones first in the form and then lay them in such a way that it really is sturdy enough to take the weight of the house so that the house doesn't fall, like in Matthew 7.25. So, we can continue. Here is the verb titemi, which means to set, put, place, or to place or lay, according to there. And the noun themelius has been used several times with the verb ditemi, and a few times with the word oikodomeo. Oikodomeo means to build. Only once the verb has been kadavallo. Only once. And that is in Hebrew 6.1. Therefore, probably the translators have concluded that if kataballo means to lay the foundation in Hebrew 6.1, then the word katabole means foundation. That's what I think they're thinking was. Okay, let's go to back to Hebrew 6.1. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying Gadaballo again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. The word again is the Greek word palin. This means anew, again. But with verbs of going, coming, departing, returning, were again combines with the notion of back. It gets the meaning of back, according to theirs. So, when the verb is kataballo, drawing down, it will can combine the same notion of back. With this meaning in mind, we could translate this verse like this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, 
not throwing down Gadabala back the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Do you get me? So we have a foundation. Let's not throw it away. Keep it, but keep continuing to grow. Everybody understands. Okay, here are now all the places where the noun Temelius has been used in the New Testament. And there's the list, and I hope you look it up sometimes so that you get convinced. And then here are all the places where the verb Temelio O has been used. And this couple of words, Temelios or Temelio O, is the only word or the root of a word in the entire New Testament which can be translated by the words the found or foundation. My point is that katabole is not in that list. Katabole cannot mean foundation. So then, what does the noun katabole mean? The answer is in Hebrews 11.11. 11. Here I have Hebrews 11.11. 11. True faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive katabole. Seed sperma and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. The context beginning with verse 8 deals with Abraham who believed. Sarah's faith is not mentioned in the book of Genesis. In verse 12 it says, Therefore sprang there even of one and him, referring to Abraham, as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in the multitude. The pronoun him refers to Abraham. But let's read first verses 8 to 12 in Hebrews 11. Elizabeth, can you read? Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 11. 8-12. <clears throat> By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past days, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang they even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. So by one true reading you can see that there's a problem. All of a sudden in verse 12 it switches back to Abraham. So how should it be? This verse 11 is in all the texts quite difficult. The clue to the original understanding is given by the nouns sperma and kataboleia. The word seed is sperma, and according to Theo, this is the seed from which a plant germinates, or the semen virile, and this means man's semen. So katabole is the throwing down of the semen, i.e. the ejaculation. Only the man can do that. Okay? Everybody with me? 
And these words, and was delivered of a child, these words are missing in most of the critical Greek texts. This verse should be understood therefore like this. Through faith he, Abraham, received strength to ejaculate seed into Sarah herself, when he was past age, because he judged him, God, faithful, who had promised. Does that make any sense to you? I read it again. Through faith he, Abraham, received strength to ejaculate seed into Sarah herself, when he was past age, because he judged him, judged him God, faithful, who had promised. All the other occurrences of the noun katabole are together with the noun cosmos. When we remember the meaning of the word cosmos, representing the people or the mankind in the world, we understand that the words katabole kosmu mean the begetting or the conceiving of the mankind. And I decided to use the word begetting. In the Greek language there is an expression with the noun katabole. It means the beginning or conception of a war. In English we speak about the seeds of war. The following is a title in the journal Colonial Williamsburg on their net pages the year 2011. How the founders sowed the seeds of civil war. We talk about the seeds of war. Now we look up the remaining ten places where the noun katabole has been used in the New Testament. Next page, Matthew 13, 34 and 35. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things which have been kept secret. It says there, from the founders of the world, Apokatabolens Kosmu, here is Apo, from. So, I believe it means from the begetting of mankind. But well, you cannot really see in this verse, doesn't make any difference in this verse, because it was not made known before. Matthew 25:34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Apokatapolis Cosmo, I believe it means from the beginning of mankind. Again, the same thing, this doesn't really help us. We continue. Luke 11, 49-51. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel and the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Alright, now we have some information here. If it says that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world, 
and we think the foundation of the world is before anything was. Right. Okay, we, we read that verse again. Luke 11, 49 through 51, we read it again. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel and the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. All right. If we think that the foundation of the world is in the beginning before there was anything, and before that foundation, time-wise, these things happen, we have a problem. Because the prophets weren't there. Who were they? That the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world. How can you say that? It doesn't fit. It's God's word, it should fit. So, but when we understand from the beginning of mankind, that's when the prophets started to be able mentioned the first, right? Then it starts making sense, time wise. John 17, 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovedest, for thou lovedest me before the foundation of the world, prokatabolas cosmo, before the begetting of mankind. Again, this verse doesn't really help. People think that Jesus Christ was in the beginning with the Father, before the world was created. He was actually there in God's foreknowledge after the fall and before the beginning of the mankind. God saw it went kaplui and he made a new man. We come back to that. Hebrews 4.3 For we which have believed do enter in rest as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished. From the foundation of the world. How can the works be finished before it is began? <laughs> but his works were finished to make the world usable, livable, before the beginning of mankind. He created Adam and Eve, they fell, and then they started to have progeny. And his works were finished at that time, but not before the foundation, or from the foundation, cannot be. Hebrews 9, 25 and 26. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, Apocatabolus Cosmo, from the beginning of mankind. But now once in the end of the world had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Then Revelation 13a And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world, Apocatabolas Cosmo, from the beginning of mankind. How can you write or not write 
names of people if they are not there. The same thing, Revelation 17:8. The beast that thou sowest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder, whose names were not written in the book of life from the beginning of mankind, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So are you with me? Do you understand why it cannot be before the foundation of the world? Timeless. And begetting of mankind is suitable. First Peter 1 18 and 19 and 20 we read them now again. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained, proginosco is that verb, before the begetting of mankind, what was manifest in these last times for you. And if it is one for, according as he has chosen us in him, before the begetting of mankind, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, what I'm trying to say, that in the beginning, when God made the decision, he's got to create the world and create life and create human beings and do all these things. He did not know what was going to happen. He so loved, he wanted the people to be there. But as soon as they were there, Adam and Eve, not a long time, and they fell. They turned their back to God. Before that, Lucifer had turned away, and God saw it. When he saw what happened, he reacted to it. That's when he made the plan of what Christ came. Genesis 3.15 is from that time. When he saw everything went kaplui, he made a new plan. And this is something that you need to understand God does all the time. He has a plan for every believer. If the believer goes to God, then God can reveal the plan. But then the believers go their own ways. When they turn to God again, then God makes a new plan. I don't know how many is a plan of God I'm doing right now. But I know I've blown it many times. Any time I turned back to God, he made a new plan for me. That is the same. You can see it all the way through the Bible. Like when God chose Saul to be king, then it turned out he wasn't faithful. So he chose David to be instead of him. All the way through, the same thing. Any time he made it available, like about Abraham. He asked Abraham to offer Isaac, and he said, I want to know whether you really do what I ask you to do. And then when Abraham was about to kill Isaac, he said, okay, don't do that. I now know that you will you really do what I ask you to do. I mean, if God knew it beforehand, why did he have to try him? What sense does it make? And a very nice God. Knows it anyway, but it just tortures him like that. No. God did that, whatever he meant with offering Isaac, we can dispute and discuss. However, Abraham understood that he needs to kill Isaac. 
But when he was about to do it, then God said, okay, now I know. You would do anything I ask. Don't kill him. I don't want you to kill him. Alright? So, if he had known it, it wouldn't make any sense. We are on page 8, Ephesians 1, 4. Okay, we now need to read the whole first chapter of Ephesians. The name of Jesus Christ is mentioned directly ten times. And in addition to that, he is referred to by pronouns and other epithets. In verse 4 we are mentioned collectively as a group of people by the pronouns us and we. None of us is mentioned by name. At least I can't find my name in there. Therefore God's choosing refers to all those people who believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When they believe, they become like their Lord Jesus and they will be saved. So Ephesians 1 verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him, now referring to him by pronoun Christ, before the begetting of mankind, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated, that is the word proorit, so we come to it, having predestinated proorit, so us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, which is Christ. So the predestination is in Christ. He said, I'm going to bring my son, and when they believe in him, they are going to be like him. That's the predestination. Cannot God do that? Well, can he make a plan? Well, we can make plans. When this and that happen, I will do so and so. So he made a plan. When Christ comes, the people believe in him, they're going to be like him. That's what he predestined. But there's absolutely no clue in here I was named, or Elizabeth was named, or Lila was named, or anybody else was named before the foundation of the world. Even before the begetting of mankind. None of us by name. We are called collectively. Whoever is hearing the calling and responding to it and believes that is the one that is chosen. Right. Then when they believe. Not before the founders of the world. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom Christ also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated pro orizo again, according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. 
So we are predestinated in Jesus Christ. When we see, when we be caught, when we believe, then we are there. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom Christ also after ye, that ye believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which means spiritual wisdom and knowledge by revelation, in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him Jesus Christ, to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Do you understand my thinking, how we are chosen in Christ? Not by our name, and predetermined that this person I will save, and that one is going to go to hell, like they thought. Okay, let's look now at the beginning of the chapters of the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, in verse 1 it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It says was in King James, and we know that the Hebrew language doesn't have a verb to be. The verb that is here is become. So when it says the earth became without form of what it means, that that's the way it became. It was not before. But when it became, it became that way. And the darkness became upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. That's all it means. It doesn't mean that the word has been before. If you want to talk about foundation, that's when it was founded. Right. Verse 3. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide in the waters from the waters. And that happened. He said, and it happened. Then verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. What he did was good. Then verse 11, And God said, Let the earth 
bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding, fruit after its for his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. So everything was created according to its kind. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. He saw it was good the second time. Verse 13, and the evening and the morning, and there was the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide them day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, sun and moon. He made the stars also on the fourth day. That's what it says in the Bible. It was not after the original bang, some billions of years before. No, it was on the fourth day after the earth was first made. Anyway, we jump further. We go to verse 21. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth which the waters brought from abundantly after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Again he saw it was good what he did. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was Good, what he did, he saw it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the flesh of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over, the, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in, in the which is the fruit of the tree, of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for me. That's what they were supposed to eat originally. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the earth, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. That was the original diet. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good 
and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. On the sixth day everything was made and he said it was very good. Nothing was evil, nothing was bad in there. But then we come to chapter 2 verses 16 and 17. It says there, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest therefore thou shalt surely die. Well, what had happened in between? Lucifer had fallen. He had to do something. He had to put down a condition in there. Because he had created them with freedom of will. They could decide what to do. If he didn't do that, they would be his robots. But he had created living beings with freedom of will. Therefore he had to do that. Then chapter 3, verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. First time something evil is mentioned, he was afraid. And then Genesis 3, 11. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. That was your fault. You gave me the woman, and she told me to do this. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. So that's about the serpent, the devil. Verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee, serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed, the serpent's seed, and her seed, the woman's seed. It, the woman's seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt, the serpent, shalt bruise his heel. And this is the first prophecy about Jesus Christ coming. Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And when he was crucified, his heel was pierced. Verse 16. Under the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Well, Genesis 4.1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Okay, that's where the beginning of mankind started, alright? And chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Alright, he died because he ate from the tree of good and bad knowledge. Everything was good 
in the beginning when God creates. But then Lucifer fell first. He wanted to get the power that Adam had. That must have been it. Because God made Adam the ruler of earth. And the devil wanted to have that. So therefore he started to tempt them. And in chapter 3 it's told how it was done. And after that, and before the beginning of the mankind, God made a plan. I'm going to send my son who's going to be like Adam. The only difference is that he is going to do my will. And everybody who is going to believe in him will be saved. And they will be like my son. You see that? Okay, then I have some significant words in this context that we also need to look at. Prokinosko. This means to have knowledge of beforehand, to foreknow, according to theirs. And this has been used in the following places. Acts 26, can you read? Verses 1 and 2 and verse 5. 5. Acts 26, 1 and 2 and 5. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. And verse 5. Which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of the religion I lived a Pharisee. So the Jews knew him from before. They had seen him, they knew him. This is what this word means. Then Romans 8, can you read verses 26 through 30? 8, 26 through 30. Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. God to them who are the called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow that's proginosco he also did predestinate to be conformed that's to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren so I just pointed out because I don't want to go there again so proginosco and proorizo are in this place the next one is chapter 11 verses 2 through 4 God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God to him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee. Foreknew, okay. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. That's the reason we did it. The word foreigner is in there. And then first Peter one twenty we have read already. So second Peter three verses fourteen through seventeen can you read? Can you point out where this phone word is there? Second Peter three verses fourteen through seventeen. Wherefore beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. 
Seeing you know these things before. Seeing you know these things before. That's prognosko. And then prognosis is corresponding noun to the verb prognosko. And it means foreknowledge. And it's used in first Peter 1, 2. Can you read verses 1 and 2? First Peter 1, verses 1 and 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's electing the foreknowledge. Yes, go ahead. Through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Alright, then Acts 2, 22 to 24, I have in the notes. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge, that's prognosis, of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God had raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that <coughs> he should be holden of it. So in verse 23, the word determinate, is horizo. This is a word which means to mark out the boundaries or limits, to determine, to appoint. And then the word counsel is bule. This is a noun that means counsel, purpose. And then next word is the word pro orizo. That's the verb, which means to predetermine, decide beforehand according to theos. And uh, we already read in Romans 8, 29 and 30. And Ephesians 1 5 and 1 11 places. So let's read Acts 4 28. Can you read Acts 4 verses 26 to 28? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, are gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Determined before, that's this word pro orizo. Okay, the next one is, the last one is 1 Corinthians 2, 7. Can you read verses 6 and 7? Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Do you understand how these all fit together? This pro-orizo, predetermining and foreknowledge, prognosco, prognosis, all these things fit together. And we have almost now worked all the places where this is dealt with in the Bible. There is only three other places we need to work especially because of King James. 2 Timothy 1 verses 8 and 9 Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, it says there. Then Titus 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, 
which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. They translated. Okay, these words in both places before the world began are pro chronon ionion in Greek. Chronos is a noun, it means time, duration, time in general, any time. The time in which anything is done, according to Bullinger. This is used 53 times in the New Testament. The English word chronometer, i.e. a sophisticated clock, comes from this Greek word, chronometer, chronos. Then Ionios means constant abiding eternal, according to Bullinger. And this is used 71 times in the New Testament. These words prochronon Ionion should be translated before eternal times. Has nothing to do about the beginning of the world. Do you understand? How is the Norwegian? I think the Norwegian was better. Can you translate the Norwegian in the English for me? The words before the world, the last words in verse 9, Second Timothy 1 and verse 2 in Titus 1. Eternal times. Yeah, it was correct. But in both places. Yeah. So do you understand how this thinking before the foundation of the world has influenced them in these places also? Now when you think about hope of eternal life which God cannot promise, when did God promise the hope of eternal life to the people? In Old Testament there are places that refer to the eternal life, yes? But it was not right in the beginning. So all the way through there were more and more promises. And that all is before the eternal time come. Not a promise that was made before the world. Not a, not a like that. These promises came along, but they came before the eternal times. See, biblically, time goes in one direction. God first created, time began, and it's going to the eternity. But the Greek philosophers thought that there was eternity in the back as well as in the future. Billions and billions of years before and billions and billions of years coming. That's what they thought. And all on this philosophy is, the, is everything based. I mean, even the evolution theory is based upon that. Because they think there was so many years time. You know what I mean? Okay, then there's one more place. I said here, I read this, but I said on page 10, before eternal times, eternity is in the future and it is provided for all the troops of God, the people, the angels and other spirit beings of God together with God and Jesus Christ forever and ever. But then it says in Romans 16:25, now the hymn that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Again, the word world is not there and the beginning is not there. Since the world began, other words, chronos, ionios. These words are in the native case in the Greek and they should be translated through the eternal times. So this is a figure of speech which is exaggerating and thereby emphasizing that it was truly kept secret. That's the only point in there. It doesn't mean that they were already in God's mind right from the beginning. No, it only means that they were never told before they were revealed. 
and then let's uh, read Matthew 22. Actually, I think we read the whole thing. Elizabeth, can you read Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, the whole thing? And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment, and he said, unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, that there may be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. So that man without the wedding garment, what he did, he had been sent the wedding garment, in King's wedding they did that, but he had not cared to put it on. That's the same as somebody tries to go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. So many are called, but few are chosen. So the purpose is that many people would hear the calling, and then they would decide whether they want to believe or not. And the ones that believe, they are the ones that are chosen. And uh, about Jesus Christ and them for them, in 1 Corinthians 15 it says that Adam is the first Adam and Jesus Christ the second Adam. So who was first? Adam was first. And when Jesus Christ said, before Abraham was, I was. They accused him of that. But he never said that before Adam I was. He never said that. Because the second Adam. The, he came after. Adam was first. Anyway, my point is that God has not predetermined what you're going to do. You decide what you're going to do. Therefore, I challenge you to go to God and pray and believe that He works with you and all is going to be well. So, I think this is it.